Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Buddy, we are here. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, everybody. We are here for a very special broadcast today with the prophets. We're about to go live on social media. It's going to be a fun, interesting day, Saints. With Chief Prophet Tyler Price, Prophet Adia, and myself. Here we go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Hey, guys. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where everybody on the set today is not Paula Price. But nonetheless, we do welcome you, uh, and I'm glad that you're deciding to tune in with us. Our uh, beloved chief apostle is doing chief apostle things and has left the opportunity for us prophets to share some great things with you today uh, on her show and in her stead. And, of course, we're going to continue with the tradition, yes, (laughs) of first saying hi, how are you, and welcome to the show, and share, 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 and share, and share. And then today we're going to address some uh, key things today that are going on in our world and really in the body of Christ from a prophetic perspective. So it will be myself, Chief Prophet Tala Price, and I have on the set with me today. Hey, guys. Favorite Saturday morning kids, Prophet. Okay. Actually, she does quite a few things for us, but you might know her from Saturday morning kids and the voice of the announcements on the Paula Price show, right? But this is Prophet Adia Peterson, um, who will also be joining me on the set. And of course, you know the show producer who's always behind the camera and then on the side of the camera. And then now, the last couple of weeks, you've enjoyed her. Or she said, really, it's been going on for a month, right? Yeah, so. Well, Prophet Ashley Clater. So once she finishes being the producer, she'll be joining us on the set today, too, as we kind of take over as the uh, trio host for Dr. Pa- you see, it takes three people to be one of her. No, I'm really? just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> to be one of her. So, but we're excited today. We're excited about what's going on in uh, the kingdom. We're excited about what's going on in this here, which we like to call as a our personal nickname, the Paula Price Universe. Yes, <laughs> we have a lot going on here in this world, and God is doing a lot in uh, and with us and through us here and through Dr. Price as she's continuing to pioneer and lay the groundwork for uh, scripturally organic, culturally unmodified Christianity, apostolic Christianity yes. here in this generation of the body of Christ. So we're excited about that. And we've got a lot of things going on. We've got great things coming up. So Prophet Dan, what are some of the great things we have coming up that you're going to talk to us more about later during our announcement? 
Definitely. So one of the major things that you all have heard us uh, talking about through the, the last couple of weeks is our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute that is coming up June 20th through the 24th. And so today we're going to kind of talk a little bit about that and why you should plan on being out here with us. It is an annual event that we hold for prophets or prophetic types, prophetic intercessors. Um, and we are just our second year that we're also offering a teen prophetic session in the evening um, for young people. Um, grades about this year we're expanding it just a little bit grades fifth grade to grades 12 um, and so we're really excited about what God is doing but we hold a really unique prophetic event every year time for education and empowerment and equipping um, and not necessarily just a time to talk and be encouraged so it's a different type of prophetic event and we're really excited about what God is doing that's coming up the 20th through the 24th so I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we progress in today's broadcast Yes, yes, yes. We're very excited about the um, Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute and, and what we do and what we can bring, not just prophets, right? So we can we bring it to prophets, intercessors, seers, psalmists, mm-hmm. uh, anyone who wants to hear from God, has heard from God, okay, and needs God actively engaged in their life. So we're excited to be able to bring this institution, and yes, I said the word institution to you, every year. Uh, this year we're going to be talking about the prophetic in present tense. What is the state of the prophetic today? Is it effective and useful for God? And where is it taking us in the future? Something that Dr. Price has said to us all the time is that the prophets are always shaping God's future. So the reason why we put on these events every year is to not just equip and train prophets to do their job now, but to be active and uh, engaging participants in helping him, because we've always been his partner, right? We what? have, yes. I thought it was for personal prophecy. It was for personal <laughs> prophecy, yes. You, you, know, you know, that is very funny. But it's also very sadly true yes. that the whole role of the prophet has literally denigrated down to us being people's personal prophetic puppets. I really would like us to get away from that. I think that there's so much dignity to this position. There's so much dignity to our legacy. And there's so much dignity to what, you know, they have contributed to not only, you know, the, uh, uh, the Israel and all this, but to the body of Christ and God's kingdom overall since he's been trying to do it. Right? Well, I think one of the, well, so many mind-blowing moments, Dr. Price, teaching over the years. You know, we have been, we have known each other almost 20 years, and Dr. Price the same. But when she said in more recent years, uh, at least that I can remember for hearing the first time, that prophets did not start in the church. Mm -hmm. They are national office. They belong to the nation. They were the nation of Israel, not the temples, not the synagogues, but the nation first. And that just completely shifts and blows down so many arguments about why we train the way we train, mm-hmm. Price University, why we have the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, and why it's set up the way it's set up, because yeah. we're not just teaching personal prophecy. You're <laughs> saying controversial things, no. And we just started, you know. <laughs> the truth is often controversial. It days. is, you know, it is, especially <laughs> when, you know, we're, we've been crafted by a lie. But the, the reality is you said something powerful. She said that not only did prophets not exi- uh, exist, okay, uh, for the church, and the church didn't exist at the time, God began using prophets. We know the first prophet was Abel, and now everybody out there now knows that and teaches that widely. Dr. Price does that, doesn't she? She creates widespread revelation and phenomenon, even though people can't often trace where it comes from. But the reality is that even starting with Abel, yes, Abel was a prophet to creation right? Mm-hmm. because right. we had just been created. 
okay? So he wasn't, there was no church, there was no uh, religious system as of yet. In fact, the first conflict was over them trying to establish the first religious system, which was the priesthood. That's right. So the, when Cain and Abel are both vying yes. for which religious system is, is going to take over and going to win, God knowing after Adam's, you know, uh, transgression that both now needed to exist. What did he say? We don't realize this until we get to where the parables where he talked about the wheat and the tares because they're both religious systems that were established at the foundation of the world. Cain dealing with the false and the new age system and something for all the people who would not believe in Jesus Christ to do. You know, we keep forgetting the sinner has to do something with himself, although he's not believing in Jesus Christ. So we have Cain, okay, and all of that. And then we have Abel. Okay, Dr. Price was the first to let us know that Abel got killed because he was a prophet, because he prophesied what God wanted and upheld and guarded it with his very life (laughs) in the planet. What he wanted in terms of worship, what he wanted in terms of culture and custom, so he guarded that with his very life at the beginning of creation. So the first prophet was a prophet to God, not people. And and that makes sense. And, and that, that makes right. the whole right. Well, to and me, that makes the whole thing of Cain killing his brother so much more than sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. Right. They really brought it down to sibling rivalry. Jealousy and jealous of his brother. Absolutely. Come on, you're jealous of your sibling. You push him into a wall. Like it's an extreme measure to actually murder your sibling just because of jealousy. Now yeah. people do it, but uh, now realizing it was a God issue. And whose God was really going to be in control changes everything. Right. Exactly. And so both now, here's the irony, or I should say uh, uh, the interesting part of this or a broader perspective on it, is that both systems were introduced after the war when iniquity was found in, in Satan. So now they're vying for how both institutions will be now engrafted into the earth. Because right. the moment that Adam made the transgression, he made place for both spirits. Yes. yes. So, okay, we already know he pulled, he pulled Satan out of the tree, out of his prison. So now both spirits are, now, okay, so now they have to be institutionalized, hear that, in the flesh. Yeah. Oop, but how about this? Okay, so we just teach, 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 teach us about how Satan was a murderer from the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? So I don't think it's any mistake that his first offspring is a murderer. In the beginning. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like father, like son. What did you say? You were like your father, the, the devil. devil. Mm-hmm. Because why? The fruit shows the root. And that's why God says you will know them. How you will know them by their fruit. Why? Because is he just talking about us walking around and assessing one another's, or as we like to say in the body of Christ, okay, judging one another's behavior, because we're you judge we got judge. judgment phobia, okay? So we're judgment foes. And so we have all of that going on. And so we're not just well, it's true. So we're not just judging. All right. Is that but the reason why he said that is that although you I can see men's hearts and but you cannot. If you look at the outcome, you can tra- trace the outcome to its root and to its source. Mm-hmm. Because that's what he did with them. They were having such a problem. That, how dare you? about the, the, the Pharisees. How dare you say we're not Abraham's children and God is not our father and what in the world? He's going, they're going clean off on Jesus in John 5 and John 8, Yes, where he talks about the murder piece. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're going clean off on Jesus Christ. But what he's saying is that I can trace your, the root of who you're serving by the fruit that you're producing in Israel. 
as leaders. Because as leaders, God can, you can trace a leader's roots by the fruit that they produce, what they replicate, okay? Yes. Because the first thing Satan had to do was replicate himself in the flesh. And the first thing that had to come out of Adam's loin was the, uh, his offering to the new deity. Mm-hmm. Because the first child of the family, we know, sets the tone for the deity to have expression in a family line. Okay, you can read more about that in Dr. Price's book, The Prophet's Dictionary, under the generations of Adam, the generations of the book of Adam, the book of Jesus Christ. It's also in the prophet's handbook. But the firstborn belongs to the expression of the deity that's over the family line, which is why we have to be born again, because you were already born to something in this world. Okay, your genetic material, your spiritual material, all of that belonging to someone else. So I think that it's a powerful thing that Cain was the fruit of the root of where Adam's transgression now, okay, put the family unit. Yes. And came out and did that and acted like that. And she talked about the seven-point thing. I noticed that you got to John 8 doing it. But the seven-point thing about Adam uh, equating um, the seven issues oh, that yeah. God had with Satan mm-hmm. to the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. Okay, now who does that? Dr. Price. Dr. Price does that. And it was an amazing, uh, amazing discovery. <laughs> but I want to wrap up one thought before we uh, turn it back over to Prophet Ashley on that point, and that is just wrapping up the first thought about the first prophet was a prophet to God, not people, right? To God, okay, because prophets exist for God. And then God takes care of people. Say that one more time. So prophets exist for God, and then God takes care of people. See, we got it backwards. When we, and that's why churches sometimes struggle with their leadership and struggle with people in their church staying uh, unified with the vision and staying loyal and faithful to the house because they go in thinking that their job is to serve the people. No. If you're in leadership and you're a leader in someone's house or church, your first obligation is to take care of the institution and allow the institution to take care of the people. And why do I say that? That just seems like it should be common sense and common knowledge. But the reason why it has to be said is because we often can get caught up in that in churches. Well, I just don't know. I just felt like I should be able to do this for this person. But the only reason that you can serve a person in somebody else's church is because they gave you permission and resources to do so. On your own, you cannot save the world. You don't have the resources. You don't have the time. You don't have the energy. You don't have it all. So it takes an entire supply of an institution to actually take care of a community. So your job is to keep the, com- the institution intact so that the community can always have a resource. So you take care of the institution first. So Abel's job was to take care of God first because he said, well, if he ain't here, then we ain't, what are we doing? Absolutely. So well, is that true? You can you know, clearly see even the strategy, the, the tactic of the enemy was to take out God's guardian. Yeah, you know, and, and that goes into what we talked about with you know the exchange between Cain, Cain and Abel being much more than just a, a brotherly dispute, you know, but it was literally a, a, a forged attack to take out who God had installed to be a guardian over His seed. Always about the seed. I mean, Eden's about the seed, you know. So it, it extends past Eden to this issue of Cain and Abel, and God installing Abel as another guardian over the seed of Christ. And what happened? 
the guardian is the first person to be Michelle. So it adds perspective to the position of the prophet as well, that God would choose that position to be the first guardian over his seat. Uh, extends that perspective on what we're thinking in our minds a prophet is. Um, I think that's really important discussion today because we're, we are now, I believe there's a generation of prophets that are raising up to find out more about who they actually are beyond right. just people's personal, you know, prophecy mills. Well, I think we're even recognizing mm-hmm. as a prophetic community that, there's, that that's the problem that that's a cesspool, that there's something wrong with that. We, you know, you begin to get into a lot of different distractions when you start getting in there, but I think that that point is important. I think that's a powerful thing because I think if you want to be a quality prophet, you have to ch- trace the, the fruit of your mantle. That is what your mantle is supposed to produce back to its root. And that's what Dr. Price did through the prophet's handbook. That's what she did through the prophet's dictionary, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. We, um, when she teaches how anything institutional – Really, I would say, I guess, by definition of being institutional, can't be personal. Right. Very good. Oh, and we'll come back to that. Let's go. I guess, I guess this is what we're saying is once you institutionalize anything, uh, you could have your mom's secret sauce recipe at home. Right. But if you sell that mm-hmm. to whomever, then it's no longer yours. You can't control the ingredients. You yeah. can't control the distribution. You can't control the volume, the masses. The whatever, and the institution will eventually probably change. <laughs> I was just having this conversation with one of our teenagers yesterday about how our favorite children's cereal doesn't even taste like that anymore. Uh-huh. They've changed the ingredients on kicks. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, it was crunchier, it was sweeter, it, it was whatever. It did it. Yeah. And now we're being so healthy, stuff just doesn't taste the same. But, I mean, really, mm-hmm. when you have something that's personal in self, which is, I think, a part of the huge conflict in the prophetic, Yes, is we have told everybody it's about you. Yes. Prophet is here for you, so you can feel good. You can feel uh, loved and, and uh, encouraged and all the things that we've dwindled it down to. But the warfare against the office says something different. My God. Because if this was just some homegrown, just for mom and pop shop ministry, what would the devil care? I mean, really, why would the devil bring his entire institution against somebody saying, Jesus loves you, and you're going to have a great future? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense. But whenever you take it back to the roots in the books, in the Bible, the organic, the, the organics of it, then you will see this makes so much more sense. And the whole point Mm-hmm. Like with the Christian, which I believe, you know, we eliminate the apostles. We don't even acknowledge them. What? Who is that? Right. They're dead. You know. God is dead. The apostles are dead. Everybody's dead. Well, uh, there's that. So that's, that's the statement. Nobody really fights it anymore. And then, and I say nobody in the wider sense. And then the prophets we have taken out of the high places, we've taken out of government, we've taken out of law, we've taken out of the high seats in education, we've taken out of entertainment. And so we now we have them just in the local church, the churches that accept it, mm-hmm. and you can only say these things. Okay. So we're really not working for God. We're working for the pastor or the leader over the church, mm-hmm. working by permission. We need the permissive will of the pastor or leader to prophesy what they want to hear or uh, say to their people. So as a result, now we have impotent Christians. When you think what the prophets and apostles did together yeah, it's true. to build it, it's insane to me how people will say, uh, you know, an apostle's church, people have to grow up to be in an apostle's church. We've heard it. Well, we're under an apostle. So you know we've heard it. But the original Christians were birthed out of the apostles' mantle. Yeah. So clearly that's the mantle we probably should be starting with. 
if we want to get it yeah. right, get those, those strong Christians who could face off with the lions and not be afraid. I mean, we're walking around afraid to tell people you shouldn't be wearing all unholy clothes, and that's persecution. Oh, yeah. We're going through So we're so far from what this original thing was, but, you know, all of these thoughts going on. But in John 8, I don't even know if this is where you were, but this is where I was. Just okay. Okay, very good. With verse down, 30, I was a bouncing ball today, okay? In verse 37, it says, I know that you are Abraham's descendant, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. What? Jesus is saying that there are people who say they love him, who say whatever, but my word has no place in you. Yes. This is how you can persecute me. This is how you can come against me. We can look at a lot of these saints now. Mm-hmm. We'll do the hard air quotes from Prophet Adia <laughs> Sunday School. You'd watch it every Sunday, 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. Anyway, uh, the hard quotes, these saints who are fighting up against everything that represents the standard of Jesus Christ, everything that he's trying to push to bring it up. We're trying to bring this thing back online. You have people, that's not the love of God. That's not this. That's not that. Because... His word has no place in them. That's good. Mm-hmm. And I find that very interesting and very scary. Well, that's when you start killing prophets, and that's why he, he dealt with the their Or their ministries, because now right. you, you can't string them up on the cross. Right. You, you can certainly you can't, them down. What they yeah. said, you can't, you know, uh, strike them down between the, the altar and the, whoo, because, I mean, God was hot that they killed yeah. Zechariah right on right his then. own altar. He was like, what? I mean, you see, Jesus didn't get over that to that day. I mean, he was I think he still might be a little hot about that. I mean, Lord, you know what? Like, the benefit shows up in Revelation 2, but it's like you killed them between the altar. You know, and it's like, what? You know, so he's gone. But if, if God, you won't appreciate prophets if God's word does not have a place in you. Yeah. Okay? The people who really do appreciate having prophets in their lives are those that really do make a place for God's word. Not just his blessings, yeah. not just his privileges, not just all of the things that he must give them, okay, their covenant rights and, you know, authorities, but really have a heart to know him. Mm-hmm. They are drawn to prophets. Yeah. The people who hightail it are two different kinds. You got the people who want to, I call them the curbside saints that are on the outside of the temple looking in, okay? Drive and, by. Okay? All right, and exactly, and those that want to use God's kingdom for their own personal use. And so they have a hard time with that because we talked about that last night a little bit on Wednesday Warriors. Not going to digress too much there, but about the reality that people want to control God's Christianity. Yes, right absolutely. now, yes. Christians and, and, and uh, I would say apostate, perdition uh, type Christians, okay, or, or Dr. Price calls them Antichrist Christians, have really started yes. controlling the narrative about heaven about the church about all of those things they're taking control the god's church it really is under siege and it has been seized by the agents of darkness the a lot of people double agents okay twofold children of sin is what the biblical term would be but they're double agents that are out there who have seized control of his kingdom and now want to control the narrative on everything who goes to heaven who goes to hell who can go to church who can't go to church what the church should accept what the church shouldn't accept all of these types of things we're controlling the narrative on everything not the scriptures because the scriptures remember we've already deemed these as outdated irrelevant and inconsequential so now we, as the modern-day people, must take over for God because, of course, he ain't still alive, and he doesn't, okay, he hasn't been around for millennia. He's not the ancient of days. He's not the eternal anything anymore. He's so, a great, 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 great. Grandfather. Exactly, like Santa Claus sitting somewhere. So we have that Wait, whole just issue. Just bringing gifts. Exactly, just bringing gifts, and that's all we want from him. So we have that issue right now, and inadvertently because that is our issue and there has not been a place 
for God's word in people because we want to preach the Bible in church less and less because there has not been that place. Guess what? We inadvertently created a blasphemous generation that only knows how to blaspheme God. They wouldn't know how to revere him and worship him if somebody paid them a million dollars to do so because that is where we get stuck. So I wanted to just go back to something you said about, you know, the the institution and how God dealt with prophets and how we denigrated to something akin to a lucky charm uh, in people's lives and some sort of divinatory, you know, symbol, Mm -hmm. is you said that once you turn something over to the institution, Mm -hmm. it no longer belongs to you. What Dr. Price has really distinguished when she talked about gift versus office and all of this institutional profit versus the freelancer and a lot of controversial things for the body of Christ and how we think, because, again, we're not thinking about creation or a kingdom. We're thinking about a privatized personal experience. So that's where the rubber is meeting the road. But she often uses the term professional profit. Yes, yes. And when, by definition, we talk about this here in our training and why we run the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute the way yeah. that we do, it's because we've been charged with a mandate to raise up professional profits. And when we say that, people think you're slinging another term, you're spinning on something, because that's what we think. You just find or another. Or denigrating the right. holiness. Oh, how can the you say that? You know, because you, you know, you're messing up the throne and how regal we are from the spirit. But the reality is, the professional profit means that you no longer want to be uh, an individual, but you're now ready to draw, draw, I should say join, rather, a field or an institution or an industry. You're ready, and this is something we all make a decision to do in our lives, typically around 18, 19, 20, we're ready to go to college, go mm-hmm. to a trade school, whatever. That means that you don't want to just be an individual person bobbing around the planet, okay, right. jumping from here to there. Now, some people do, okay? Some people like to freelance. They don't really want They want to go in and out. But if you're going to do anything, take any one of your skills, your abilities, your talents, yes. and use them publicly, you have to join the profession. Right. Or the moment you get paid, they said that the definition of professional is the moment that you get paid to do something for somebody else, okay? In the name of yourself, you're now considered a professional. That means that you cease to be an individual, and you're now a professional. You belong to the profession and not just yourself, unless you want to, which is why, you know, we, we were having, I was reading an article about the battle they're having with um, there not being a lot of place for natural hair, hair care in cosmetology. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people will practice natural health care, hair care rather, without a license. But, and they fussed about it. Well, we shouldn't need it. And I said, but the reason why the <laughs> license is important no is because licensed. if you damage or do something to somebody's hair, okay, they need to know that there is a professional regulatory body or someplace outside of just you yeah. they can go to to get things done. Mm-hmm. Hence, the gift versus the office. The office is who you appeal to when the gift done destroyed you. Okay? Yes. Because you need somebody <laughs> who is going to be... <laughs> Where's your boss? <laughs> exactly, regulate. Because I love the fact that when we talk about gift versus office, I, I, I hear this all the time, and we get accused of it all the time. People start fussing about our assessments. You know, Dr. Price developed the prophetic aptitude questionnaire. Oh, my. Um, which if you do decide, and, and Prophet Nadia, tell me if this is correct, if they do decide to take a uh, prophetic assessment at this time, that they can pair that with their registration for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, yes? You can, yes. Okay, so you can get a discount where we do a, a product pairing there. So if you are interested in getting assessed and trained, we do offer that. But they, they fuss at Dr. Price, so they come and they tell us our assessment is, I, 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 how 
how can some assessment that, that I know I'm in an office? How do you know that you're in an office? And what office are you officing from? And what does your office execute, regulate, and do for God in the body of Christ? Understand. An office, being in an office is not a promotion or a life achievement award. I've been in the prophetic so long, I just promoted myself, or this is my life achievement. I'm going to be just doing this. I'm going to be an office. Okay? You know, to promote. And you wear it like it's a badge of honor. You know? So you could be a secretary for 40 years in a business and never be anything but And you're never going to be the CEO. Just because, just because you've, you've been the secretary for well, 40 years. I've been about it forever. I can't, if I, if I had just given a penny for how many times I've heard that. I have a new car. Assessment. Yes. I know that I'm an officer because I've been doing this for 20 years. Doing what? That's number one. <laughs> and number two, it doesn't work like that. It's like that commercial. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> I know I'm the CEO because the I have been serving uh-huh. this CEO for 20 years, and that makes me, you know, it's ridiculous when we put in professional standards. There's many things we believe in the church that are ridiculous when we put into professional yeah, environments. they don't really hold and up. And that definitely is one of them. And well, you know, I have a, a clear example. A person who took the assessment who actually did enjoy it because typically, you know, we have some time where when they have office issues, they will, you know, find the first thing that they can to deflect on. Absolutely. But uh, this this uh, one particular assessee took the assessment and uh, performed, you know, fairly decent on it. And um, when I began to explain the whole idea of gifting office, completely understood it. She said, I work for Homeland Security. She's like, and I have one of the highest clearances, and I am just an administrator. All I do is handle their records. And she said, that can't I change to, thank you, I can't change anything, can't do anything. She said, and I literally just do their records and have been doing that uh, probably since uh, shortly after it was developed, okay, after our crisis. And so she's like, I've been doing it for however many years, okay, and in all that time, even though she has the highest security clearance as an administrator <laughs> over their records and data, it never made her an agent. Absolutely. It never made her an officer, although she's probably been there longer than certain people have been field okay, agents for, okay, mm-hmm. for the uh, for the um, for the agency. Absolutely. And so, a lot of times, we think that just because we're in the proximity of something, mm-hmm. that we can catch it like secondhand smoke. No, you have to be. This is something. <laughs> I just inhaled my office. And I well, but don't it. we get that? Like people but really yell at us, but, yes, they do. but they <laughs> literally you know. will yell at us on this phone. I don't care. I know what God said. Mm-hmm. But you know what? God told that little kid they're going to be a doctor one day. Mm-hmm. But they still had to go to school. Exactly. They had to pass all their classes. They had to achieve, stick to the program, humble themselves, and do the whole nine in order for that word to be fulfilled. And I will say I've had a lot of people on the post-assessment, and especially the prophetic, have to admit, after answering all those questions, like 300, their perspective had automatically shifted on what gift in office is, even if they couldn't articulate it, right. just by how many questions they could mm-hmm. or could not answer, weren't sure about. I have never thought of these. I mean, what mm-hmm. in the world? In the beginning of the um, intermediate and advanced level results, there's that letter in the beginning challenging the prophet. To not compare themselves to your favorite contemporary prophets. And Dr. Price runs down a list of questions. Can you face off with this in culture? Do you know how to deal with this, this, and this? Can you establish and run it down? It says, because these are the 
uh, duties and requirements of the prophet's office. Right. Mm-hmm. Prophesying to somebody was not in that list. <laughs> no, right. it wasn't. And so the the assessment sure. itself, just because I'll always ask, and you two probably do as well. So what did you think about the assessment process? Well, <laughs> I'm very interested to see what this says because I, you know, I was really sure going in, but then I started getting some of those questions. And they really value and appreciate the process, um, even the ones who struggle because they have been affirmed their whole ministry career on just getting out there and saying it. And now there's hard data to say it's always been about more than just saying something. That's the powerful thing. And, and I think the reason why we struggle yeah. with the whole, you know, with even Dr. Price doing something called an assessment, how can you assess something that's spiritual? I don't know. You're assessing spiritual things every day. You don't want to hear God say that you're going to get a car and then nothing shows up. You'd be very disappointed in that. You'd be like, well, what? I mean, I got this word. I had this life camera action and prayer, but nothing's happening mm-hmm. in my actual mm-hmm. physical life. So you do believe that spiritual things should have some sort of physical corresponding result. Otherwise, why pray? Otherwise, why faith? Otherwise, why do this? That's the core of who we are as believers. So there is that premise there. But you said something uh, really powerful. Actually, a couple of different things. But, but I think that the people, uh, that people struggle with the office because they have a hard time differentiating preferences from universal practices. Mm-hmm. There are universal practices that, that literally can be traced into how every prophet treated their position with God from Abel all the way down, yeah. okay, from Abel to Enoch to Noah to Abraham to Moses. I mean, so there is a pattern. How Dr. Price was able to come up with the assessment with the prophet's dictionary in the handbook is that she looked for the pattern, looked for yes. the similarities and how God <laughs> engaged them, first of all, how they responded to him, second of all, what happened as a result of that, third of all, okay, and what the the nature of that relationship became, Mm -hmm. the the duties, the demands. I mean, Jeremiah 1 is, like, amazing because God's like, now you're going to go do this. This is what you're going to do, and this is what I'm expecting of you. And if you don't do it, this is what's going to happen to you. So it's, I mean, he gave gave them a a complete rundown, but it wasn't just Jeremiah 1. In fact, in our prophetic awakening course, Mm -hmm. we make you walk through every prophet's initial Mm -hmm. engagement with God. From, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you talk about from Moses to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Daniel, Zechariah, we did Jonah, we did all of them. And uh, yeah, we said Isaiah, Isaiah 6, you know, his, his wasn't any better. Ezekiel's was the worst. I'm sending you out there to say something that no one's going to believe they're going to persecute you for, but you have to do it so you can be my witness against them. Hey, Hosea, go marry a wife of whoredom. Jonah, Jonah's in there. Jonah, let's go to the well because you don't want to obey. And, yes, I'm sending you a word to trigger repentance and not for you to show your prowess. And so, you see what I mean? So, universal, there were universal practices that each prophet did. There were similarities between each one's uh, responsibilities, duties, uh, responses to God, and even results that they were supposed to get for God and what he said to them. And it's those universalities that Dr. Price is using to try to give us a standard of uniformity as officers so that when we say the name prophet or when someone's encountering a prophet, they know what they're getting. Well, and I, I love how that also speaks to these prophets being brought into God's service by something other than just their 
their personal experiences or even functions that they did. Because oh, a lot yeah. of what I hear is, well, I, you know, I'll ask, you know, why, why do you believe that God called you to be a prophet? Less and less prophets will tell you that they got a word from God that told them that, that was who they were and told them, gave them a mandate, gave them a reason, <clears throat> you know what I mean, gave them a target. A lot of what we're hearing now is, well, I believe I'm a prophet because I dream yes. and I see yes. a lot. I've heard this. I know that sounds so trite. It might sound so trite on this broadcast today, but test that and look at your prophetic communities because many prophets, prophets will tell you that they believe that they are who they are because of just prophetic functions that they're able to perform. So I'm able to speak words to people or what I believe is words. I'm able to give people what I believe are words of wisdom or I believe is intel or I dream heavily or I see and so I know that this is what God's calling me to do. But when you look biblically, what I love about what you said, the universal practices, the universal standards, God literally brought something that was outside of their scope, outside of their realm, to give them something that he had standardized. Right. You know, and it was not just about what they had dreamt or even what they had seen, but the word that yes. he gave them yes. about who they were. I think yes. that that's huge. It's Absolutely. Important. We have to understand that we have to get back to that kind of standardization where you have something that is that is outside the realm of just your personal interpretation or your personal experience with the functions of the prophetic. That's really, really important. There are prophetic functions. There are prophetic functions that belong to all of the offices that any officer can pick up. A lot of officers can dream, see, tell, you know, et cetera. We have to get back to where we understand what are the protocols that made the prophets officers versus just what are prophetic functions that you can prophetically do. Right. And I think that's, that's huge. That's really important. And there's a difference, you know, between those prophetic activities. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of times that we think that, you know, because you do a myriad of prophetic activities that you are an officer. Absolutely. But if you think about it in the natural, with your natural job, you do a lot of activities at work. Okay, so I'm, the, I'm also the director of operations for the PPM Global Enterprise, okay? So as a, 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 the operations manager, I do a lot of office activities or a lot of administrative activities, a lot of, you know, project management activities. I answer the phone. I'll respond back to your issues. I'll do, you know, uh, send out emails. I'll look at customer service stuff. I'll look at, I'll do secretarial things and, and, and file things and all that. But that doesn't make me the secretary. Sure. Okay? It doesn't necessarily make me the customer service person. Absolutely. All right, and it doesn't mean that because the customer service person does it, it makes them the operations manager. So we understand that in our professional lives, but we have difficulty in God because in God we, we have, you know, it's this whole thing of, of the major uh, insecurities and inferiority complexes where we go to God for affirmation and not necessarily destiny and purpose. Awesome. Okay, so it, 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 we all have to be, yeah. well, you have to be an officer because I'm an officer, and he doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings and make them feel like they're less than. Listen, it's a position, it's a job description. I don't feel less than you because you are the publications manager and I'm not. She doesn't feel less of a person because I'm up trust me, she ain't trying to feel but over because I'm the operation. Yeah. Okay, operations manager or not. How many of you guys have been offered promotions to supervisory or management positions and turned them down? Absolutely. Because you didn't want it. It didn't make you feel less than that they didn't, you know, have you be the supervisor. A lot of you guys are like, I don't want the work. I don't want the responsibility. I don't want the extra weight. I don't want the extra duty or demand. So as a result, you know what I mean? You don't feel less than a person anywhere but the church if you're not given the same exact title. This is, this Ooh, is the, yeah. the, the issue of, of Corinthians. When, when we're dealing with the gifts in, in 14, we're dealing with the gifts mm -hmm. because they're squabbling. Mm -hmm. Paul is having to tell them, 
Stop it. Yes, it's great to decide the best gift, but it's not going to make you better than or less than because someone's doing this and you're not. But we do act like children in the sandbox fighting over one another's abilities, fighting over one another's <laughs> skills and talents to, to, to get daddy's attention, okay, mm -hmm. and, and, and not recognizing that God's going to give you attention for doing what he made you to do. If you can, you, you exalt him in that, being the best of you and not a deficient version of someone else. So we, we have to really get to that place. But you said something very powerful um, in your explanation about, you know, made me think about us keeping the prophecies continuum. The reason why we're having such an issue with differentiating these universal practices, okay, from, uh, you know, our preferences as believers and personal experiences is because of the missing link called the prophecy continuum. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? The prophecies continuum is important because the continuum started outside of earth, outside of this world, and outside of the gifts, abilities of the prophet, him or herself. It starts beyond you, that you are maintaining something that you didn't begin, but was revealed to you to be a steward over. Right. Right. So you didn't initiate this. Your gift and ability to hear from God didn't initiate the prophetic. It didn't awaken prophecy. It didn't create anything. It actually is being used as a tool and instrument for God to keep moving forward an eternal agenda that he's been incrementally bringing into the planet and will ultimately use to transition the planet into another place in him, according to the book of Revelation, okay, all the way to the end of time. So you didn't start your gift. You can't end your gift, okay? And it wasn't given to you for the purpose of you being able to show people that you can hear from God. Your gifts and your abilities ultimately are to produce something. Right. And then your office preserves, protects, and maintains and establishes what your gift produced, what your mantle could bring into existence. Yeah. That's why you have officers. I always crack up when people say, I'm in the office, and they don't want to have any extra responsibility. If responsibility really does bother you, just put the office down. Put that whole pursuit down. Because all it means is like it does in business. Middle management, executive management, or leadership means more responsibility, more work. Don't we know? Not okay. We have our own office. No, in, yeah, this, in, in this building. <laughs> le, 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 le. And, and we have about three desks. <laughs> okay. In our heat office, okay, with every area that we're responsible for, yeah. and so you have to understand that the prophecies continuum is that this did not start with you, <clears throat> and it's not, and it's not starting because you got something you can hear from God. You are responsible for helping this man achieve something all the way until the day of Jesus Christ. And that day of Jesus Christ is when he has restored, when he has brought restitution, reconciliation. He's brought us back together with God. He's put an end to all power and rule. So we're supposed to be doing this thing, continually helping him bring eternity into the now. That's why our event is called the prophetic and present tense, because we're bringing eternity into our right now, knowing what God wants to officiate, what he wants to establish, and what he wants manifested right now from his world. That is what we do, hmm. and I think that that's the pieces that we miss in sure. this process and why Dr. Price sounds like, a, you know, some sort of alien, you know, uh, sonar sound from out there, okay, to most of the people today because we've not been taught that our first obligation and duty is to help facilitate the will of our God. Now, we will, we will believe that, but when it comes to the production of that, it takes a lot more than just the same. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, well, because it wasn't until I met her that 
somebody was teaching on eternity. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, we hear well, read books well, about heaven, but we don't read much about eternity. Ooh, and yeah. and since we are an eternal office, yeah. originating, as we learned in Before the Garden Chapter 9, <laughs> not originating here, we don't have our eternal roots in our mind. We don't have eternal education. So, no, we can't tie it back mm-hmm. to where we came from. You're right. Because we go back as far as our salvation experience. Lord have mercy. Jesus. Some people, that's only 10, 15 years. My Maybe God. 40, but 40 compared to eternity is no time at all. It doesn't even register on the time scale as far as that goes. So when we now that we have um, more prophets funneling through this and, and more people reading Dr. Price's works and then putting it in their ministry, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there is a, an, a, an awareness yes. to our obligation to the continuum yes. because it's not about let me just keep a word going in my family tree, yes. you know, it's about, ooh, okay, so the Lord was saying, wait, the Lord was prophesying him with angels. I mean, this whole thing is so much bigger than what we've made it. So much bigger. And because we have cut ourselves off, which we say historically, mm-hmm. if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. If you don't know, you know, whatever. Now, we say that in terms of mistakes. Mm-hmm. But for the prophet's office, the apostle's office, tied with those eternal roots, like she said, the, the temporal origins of the remaining three, are an after effect of the apostles and the prophets doing their job. And we kind of have wrapped for sure the prophet in that Mm -hmm. with the church. Well, the Mm -hmm. church is here, and so, you know, you're obligated to the church. Actually, I'm not. That's like telling a federal agent they're obligated to the local police department. Are you kidding me? Well, you know, somebody did. And they're like, (laughs) (laughs) no. (laughs) But just this one thought, just say this Uh funny point, because you're making a very good one, Mm -hmm. a funny point to that, and then I want you to uh, kind of share with us even what you got here today. Uh, Someone asked me, they said, well, now that the church is established, I mean, what would be the purpose of the apostles and prophets? I said, "Uh, if the church is established and God did his job and everything is all the works are finished, I said, then why do we need pastors? Oops. Well, why do we need anybody for that point? Exactly. So I said, then uh, the work of ministry is completely obsolete. Absolutely. So that's just a funny, uh, you know. saying. <laughs> anyway. America was established, so we don't need a government because America's here. No, what defines America is its government. That's what defines us. So I like it. What defines okay. each nation is its government. And, yes. and, you know, she's taught on that. So for the church, what has, which is what? We've removed these offices, yes. discredited them, made fun of them, whatever we've done to just say, be like, bye. <laughs> and what don't we have? Definition and identity. Sure. Now the world is identifying us. And we're taking and we're accepting it. Mm-hmm. That would be like us saying, well, you know, China said that Americans should be this. And, and Russia said that Americans should be that. And, well, you know what? You go to China or Russia, that's what you were the American you want to be. This is here, and this is how we do it, by our constitutional law. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we already had one president who established it, and once we got the Declaration of Independence, we're good. We're the people, no longer need you. I mean, we don't, now we can't stand the office. We can't hardly stand anybody who's ever in it. You can't ever make anybody happy. If you're the president of this nation, the cabinet, we vote, we hate, we slam, we slander. Come on, we got the previous vice president coming out again saying trash on the current sitting president. Mm-hmm. Who does that? And, and in the church, we are so far off the mark because every governing officer with any kind of authority that is going to come against our personal emotional feelings and expressions of our Christianity. Yeah. 
we shut down. Well, that is, that's, uh, you know, and this is not to, you know, hurt pastors' feelings. I know there are pastors, you know, listening on the line. It's not about that, but that is, you know, years and years of just literally domesticizing, Mm -hmm. if you will, the the congregations. You know, I just did an assessment yesterday. We were going through the compass, and it was on the mantle of the pastor. And, you know, a a pastor's Mm. primary mantle really is just the domestic affairs of the church. So if you think about it, for all these years that we have literally had only pastors at the helm of the church um, on a wide scale. There have been the apostolic and prophetic churches clearly, uh, but on a wide scale that that you have that mantle, not any one specific person, but that mantle over the head of the church, then we are literally only, we have a vision for domestic matters only. So you can say something like that. What would be the use? Because the church has lost sight of the church's destiny, you know, and even the kingdom's destiny. You know, you even deal with, if you go back, you're looking in Acts, even why did why were these other offices even put over the church because that was the apostles domain to even do that and they did not have to do that they chose to do that because of what they needed someone to tend to the domestic affairs but what did they say who is going to convert the nations if we are here uh-huh. dealing with the domestic affairs of right. the body so yes the widows need to be taken care of and yes the orphans need to be looked after and yes the poor need to be fed but if we're doing that too who what do they say who is going to deal with the nation world and the conversion that needs to happen in the world. So this, I I believe that even that question is evidence of just the fruit of what we have gotten by literally having just a domestic mantle be at the helm of our, of the church at large. That's what you get. Because if you can't, see the destiny of the, the, the national and international global destiny of the church, mm-hmm. you're going to have a question like that. It's naivety, it's ignorance, um, and it's yep. something that we have, we have to deal with. This is what God is raising up. This is, this is what we're doing right now on this program right now. Now you understand the need for it <laughs> yeah. because this is where we are. That's a powerful statement. I mean, both of you guys said some things that were replete with implication, and one of them is here that as long as our government was at peace with us as mm-hmm. Christians, we could turn our attention completely inward. It's yes. in reach versus uh, outreach. True. Yes. True. So, you know, companies go through this in business. Those of you guys who are business owners and marketplace people, you yeah. know this, that the biggest struggle for a business is knowing how to maintain the internal infrastructure while going yes. out there and, and continue to promote and get more business, mm-hmm. expand and enlarge. And then some people can say that growth off of sometimes can kill you if the infrastructure isn't strong enough. Yeah. Okay. So that's very true. So we go, we go back and forth. But the pastors are literally uh, helping us to maintain our inreach. So we do need all of those things that the kingdom is about, okay, and, and, and taking care of its citizenry after we've converted it. And that was all fine as long as the government was at peace with us. But the moment that the government began to come against us, and now we got kingdom coming against kingdom, right. you begin to understand why God raised up apostles, because apostles defend the kingdom, while the pastors, <laughs> and, and even the bishops, let's not forget them, yes. while they're taking care of that internal infrastructure of the church, because they're trying to take a house model to come against government, yes, to come against the gates yes, of hell, right. and you cannot do yeah. that. Okay, that is not what they exist to do, which is why the apostles were like, hey, we need to get to the nation, because their job is to always be helping us reconcile and have peace with the nations, because you recognize if your government is hostile towards you, it is called persecution, okay, and, and ultimately can be annihilation or death. So now the pastors, while we're struggling in the church, is that pastors and evangelists were not equipped by original definition or design of their office. 
right, to handle government issues, which is why we don't know how to deal with the persecution. We don't know how to respond now that the media is coming after us. We have government laws coming after us. We can't say this. We can't do that. They're, they're doing all of those things. They're not equipped with the response because they're shepherds. They're, they, all we know how to do is, is, is coddle. And acquiesce. And, and, and come on, stop crying. So what are we doing to the government? Stop crying. Stop hating us here. Just suck on this. We'll give you candy. We'll give you this. Just stop. Because that is what we do when you are in that position. And that's not to say the pastors aren't strong, because shepherds fight for their sheep, oh, yes, and they, they should. Do. So that's not a diminishment. I think we need all five for a reason. But we have to know outer from inner. Absolutely. And the outer agents are the prophets and the apostles. Going back to what you said about Israel earlier, that they were, uh, that prophets, the original prophets, the first prophet we just said was called to creation. And, and he, okay, come on. And a couple mm-hmm. of them, Abel, yeah. Enoch, yeah. Noah, yeah. Yeah. Abraham. Yeah. Because Abraham was heir to the world. Ooh. So he was a prophet of creation, not a prophet of somebody's church. So what happened is that she mentioned that even after the Mosaic Institution got started, they did not just assign prophets to temples only. Those Mm -hmm. prophets stayed in the strata of government. They were the Samuel, the judge. They stayed as the rulers over the country, over the nation. They were not quarantined to just the synagogues and the temples and the streets and someone's home, although I'm sure the companies helped. You know, prophetic companies oh, help to, to, to do yeah. that and to really go in and disseminate, you know, what the prophets needed that way. Um, so that's important to note that that's not, they are outer officers. We have interior offices and outer offices. Mm-hmm. And we need yeah. to understand that because we need the teachers. I mean, until apostles and prophets do their job of facing off with the reason why people's souls are bound and captive, okay, and prophets coming in there and enforcing God's administration and law and government on those rebellious spirits, pastors won't have sheep. Teachers won't have disciples. And evangelists won't have a message. Absolutely. And so that is important. They won't be able to evangelize. They protected Philip. They yeah. made sure that that brother did not get eaten alive in them territories. And when he finished doing his work of spreading the message and inseminating them with the, with the it's almost like how you do with the sales. Sales people often have a sales clerk that goes before them. Yeah. And then they come behind them and close the deal. Philip said, tell those apostles and prophets will come. We gathered folk. We did this. Now come, come, come see. Come do this. And they came and inspected Philip's work to ensure that they could, from Philip's work or out of Philip's work, find actual citizens for the kingdom. (laughs) Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, gather everybody, and then out of what you gather, I will pick my own. Mm -hmm. Now, the parable says he was at a seashore picking some fish, if you want to understand the biblical reference of that. Okay, but this is the same God that said, I'm going to be at the shore gathering fish, take some, throw it back. I'm going to separate sheep and goat. Come on, a wheat and tear. He said on the left, on the right. So let you know that he doesn't matter, you know, he doesn't mind us gathering as long as we recognize as believers that not everything gathered is going to be qualified for what he needs. Well, is it okay to say? We say that on a basic level when we are cleaning something up. Well, I just picked up everything. Is this yours? Well, no, this isn't mine. This isn't mine. Well, this is mine. This is. I mean, we, mm-hmm. but we really don't. I mean, the intelligence factor behind this salvation thing is so much greater than, you know, we really don't treat the Lord like he is a person. And I told Dr. Price that uh, just this last week, so many times she'll say person, people think human. Mm-hmm. How can you say that God is a human? Well, we didn't say he was a human. Well, he was at one point, but in the flesh. But he is a person in the personhood. 
of God is very logical, very methodical, very intentional mm-hmm. in everything he does. And so there is a practicality to our Christianity that we just don't even consider because we have made everything invisible and spiritual and personal and we totally remove any kind of pragmatic logic that God would possibly have, like you said, well, he's going to, come on, bring everybody in. Somebody gathering a whole bunch of children. Which ones are yours? Well, these are mine, these are mine, these, these are, I don't even know who these children are. And those belong over here and those go over. I mean, it's just that. But think about what God said. Think about what happened to them in Katrina. Yes. Think about what happened to them in Houston. Think about what happened to us here in Oklahoma when we had an F5 just flattened the whole city. Ooh, more of a, the ch- parents separated from their children. Items separated all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so what did they do? They just started gathering storms and in horrendous crises. We just gather people all together, put them in a dome, put them in anywhere, yeah. and then begin to sort out who's who. Now you understand Matthew 13 when he mm-hmm. talks about the reaping and the harvest. Yeah. Because yeah. God said, I, he, he, we think that when he's going to have the massive harvest, we think that it means that he's going to save the whole world. No, I'll gather the whole world together, and then out of the world I will pick my own. Jesus. And that's what the angels came to do. In Matthew 13, they were the reapers that were coming for on Jesus' behalf to gather out of it what belongs to him, what was predestined, who was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. So that's a very, very different understanding mm-hmm. than what we, what we have today. And God uses his angels a lot for that because he ain't entrusting us. In Come fact, on. talking about well, we, we, we how much get it right. Well, and talking about how much the prophet, right your here. prophet's gift and ability is not your own, okay? And it is something that the Lord is uh, has initiated for His own use. The first prophets were not human. To let you know that this institution, yeah, yeah. this institution doesn't belong to you. Eternal. It's eternal. It started in eternity and was now de- uh, 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 extended to Earth because we now had some issues that they had. We had to work through. Okay, because of what happened in the garden. And I think that they may have always been, there would have always probably been an interplay between heaven and earth. Because God used his angels that way all the time as his voices and as his mouthpiece. So when, we're, when, we, when I hear modern day prophets talking about something, I don't need no old testament, I don't need it, and I'm new, and I'm, no, baby, you got, until you become gay, shh. And that spot's been taken for a long Bring time. it down. Bring it down a thousand, because you're the first people to officiate this and to set the pace for what your interactions and all of those things are going to be measured by were the innumerable. Okay, it was the innumerable company that set the tone for that because we forget that God wasn't starting with a blog and he wasn't starting with just his voice, that by the time he is engaged us and even engaged Abel, he had a whole civilization. Okay, a whole civilization, and you don't pay attention to it. Talk about how Dante Price had to be the cipher, because you, I, I, do, I did a lot of redactive reading of scripture as well. Okay, I am very honest about the fact that there was a lot of redaction, and I read a lot of things. In fact, I didn't even realize the Psalms were a prophetic book. No, which is why God included it in Luke twenty four forty four as part of His canonizing of scripture, because yeah. I was like, He said the Psalms and the Proverbs, and I said Proverbs be prophesying. And I said, well, it does tell you what's going to happen to the wicked and the righteous constantly. I never thought about that being a prophetic communication and prediction, but clearly it is. Well, we just and said it so, was poetic, not prophetic. And so poetic. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 and actually 
study, and I can see how Dr. Price drew this conclusion, because I was reading the Psalms for something else, okay? And I'm listening to David command the angel yes. and the host to worship, letting you know that something predated the garden. And they knew it. Yeah. They knew that a whole nother, well, first of all, that whole other civilization shows up on the mountain with Moses. Yeah. To ratify heaven's covenant with earth. They show up a okay. couple of times. Exactly. Enoch says ten thousands of, okay, that we got Mount Seir and Sinai. And I'm like, okay. So y'all were around and active. She's so this born. predates yeah. us and you have to want to be in alignment with what birthed you. Absolutely. And not the experience that you want to have with it. So we need to do a little Ancestry.com on sale. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can, take my <laughs> Can you trace my spiritual DNA? Take me back. So you brought something in with you. Oh, I did. Well, we were talking about the assessment and education and the office. Yes, and how and we train so very differently how we train here. very differently. These are um, a few of the finished products. I don't want to hold the names up. Okay, just but um, finished products of our students, some of our students who came through our training program, and when you're done, you produce a book of your assignments and your finished work. And I just had another one. I have another big binder on my desk, one of my students I did yesterday, and she said, I just could not believe how much work that I accomplished. She was only on a six-month program. Mm-hmm. How much work I accomplished in six months, yeah, and I can go months. back and have resources, tools, Home, these are homework assignments. Yeah. And Ooh. we're talking about terms and, and things done there. Well, this is um, powerful because this student put an assignment in here. It says, God's rationale for creating and sustaining official ministry positions. Yes. And what I love about this is that you walk away with something that you as a prophet can use to help officiate and execute your office during your whole tenure. My portfolio like this that we produced for Dr. Price um, years ago, this would have been back in 03, 04, okay, I still use today. Yes. When we were formulating the classes for Price U, when we were uh, doing our doctorate. Ah. Uh, uh, I'm still feeling a little weak. Woo. So when we were putting <laughs> that together, I was able to build on that foundation and literally have a, a, a resource. Because, see, this becomes the apothecary inventory and resource of your prophetic ministry. And why is that important? Because we can stop going to people, which is why Dr. Price had us do our doctorates the way that she did. And at the forum, you'll get a sample of mine. I am publishing it. Um, Yes. Yes. It's called Mastering Prophetic Education, the Making of a Chief Prophet, and showing you how we did it. Uh, it, it's publishing my empirical, well, non-empirical and somewhat empirical study of how Dr. Price's training program would really play out in the lives of actual specimens, if you will, that happen to be on my right and on my left. Uh, and so it, it, it's actually um, going to be chronicling a 13-year period of our training and development and how her methods work. Uh, because people kept challenging us and saying that if you overtrain a prophet, you squelch their ability, you squelch their spiritual, you know, connection and flow and squash what they're doing, and they won't be as effective because they're too intellectual, they're too heady, they're too whatever. Smart. Um, smart. And it's really um, I found that, for me, that the training expanded my prophetic reach. I can reach now into realms and dimensions I couldn't before because I was unknowledgeable of them. Mm -hmm. And God cannot speak to you above your education level. 
So we want to be national figures. We want to be national prophets, but don't have the language, vocabulary, uh, backdrop, uh, uh, or understanding or training to even pull on as a resource. Yeah. I, in fact, one of my trainees, um, uh, well, she was, it was short-lived because we had to do office things, um, but one of my trainees was training up other people. And she had ment- uh, mentees under her, which is part of the reason why she wanted to be a part of the training. And she came to me. She was so ecstatic and so proud that they, her and her mentees were in this intense uh, prayer and intercession uh, time with God, and it just was smoke and lights and everything happening. And then God spoke to one of her mentees and said to, to them that she was going to be a prophet of protocol. Mm. And so she was so impressed because he said, I got that straight out of the spirit because I ain't never heard the word before, ever. Okay. And so, of course, I'm like, well, I'm excited about the fact that he heard something. I said, but let me ask you as the mentor and the recipient of that prophetic word, what did he mean? What does it mean? And how do you plan on using that information? Because I already taught you that prophecy doesn't come to be heard. It comes to produce. So what is it that you're going to do with that information? What will you be able to produce from that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I said, so did y'all bother looking up the word protocol to find out what it means? No, I mean, because it came from the spirit. So God gave you some, okay, we all did come from the spirit. I mean, including this flesh we had. Okay, so we're talking about God gave you this profound word Mm -hmm. about your life and your destiny that you can't produce or manifest or he can't manifest through you because you don't know by definition what the word that you were even given means. Now, that's a problem. And that's where educated, where educated prophet or senior prophet would have given her that word. They would have broken down to her exactly what that meant and what she could do with that information so that it could just profit her. No, but it can profit the God who sent it. Because yeah. now he's not going to get anything off of that because she didn't understand it. Or he's going to have to wait for umpteen years until her, you know, the you know, mental faculties mature enough to understand or comprehend what he's saying. We short-circuit that time for you when we're trained in intelligent prophets. We can get you right into the heart of what God needs so that your life can abound fruit towards him. So why these manuals, okay, that uh, Prophet Ashley just brought out are so important is because they literally become your whole um, – resume, if you will, of what people can expect from you as yes. a prophet. Yes. This, your homework typifies your ministry. Yep. Dr. Price got us one day when we didn't want to do our homework, but we was acting out and being whatever. She said, she said, you know what, well, we can stop the training right now because through this homework, I can already see what kind of ministry y'all going to produce for God, and I don't, I'm not going to be a part of that. Ah! Because how you treat your homework, homework is how you how treat, you treat your, your ministry. And so the reason why we did it as prophets and we encourage our students to do it, and you'll see when um, the book is published, that I don't have to now go and and try to explain to you simply by spiritual, you know, experience and testimony what I can achieve for you as a prophet. You can go read about it. So before you even think about bringing me in or bringing any one of them in, and not the price for that matter, you can go and see who and what we are as prophets. Dr. Price said that we're up here mad that people castigate, mock, scorn, and say all kinds of ridiculous things about us as prophets. She said, but we don't even produce so much as a prophet's journal, as a history, as a resume, okay, for them to know what kind of practitioner they're getting. Well, come on. Somebody wants to find a babysitter for their children? You almost have to give blood to prove you're not crazy and on drugs and everything else to watch somebody's kids for 30 seconds while they walk around the corner. Right. But we expect that. 
prophets and these kind of officers, we should just be able to just walk in and say mm-hmm. whatever you want. I think this is a very uh, great statement she made at the beginning of this. This student said, effective prophetic service requires training. Prophetic training, as Dr. Paula A. Price, an architect of people, author, and the founder of PPM Global Resources, describes it as the some activities and events that go into making a prophet ready to undertake the official functions and duties of his or her mantle. These often include trials, tribulations, I remember these, austere life, object, object lessons, and consistent rejection and alienation. Prophetic training incubates potency to consistently be able to say emphatically what is or isn't of God, honor and respect God's sovereignty, and understand he isn't taken lightly. A prophetic training program should have structure, is relevant, measurable, and verifiable. Well, there's a student who learned well. She did. You know, but very good. And it's, it, and that's ultimately what we're trying to do. Where we, Dr. Price is not trying to regulate, you know, people's whatevers and tell them who they are and aren't and hurt your feelings. What she's trying to do is protect the legacy of an institution that did very profound things from, for God from the very beginning and the dignity of what they brought to the planet. I, she doesn't like the fact that we, of course, don't like the fact that it's been denigrated to a sideshow, a parlor yeah. trick, and an extracurricular activity. The reason why we don't think the people yeah. need training and prophets don't think they need training and people don't even look for having trained prophets is because we think that we think two things. A, all you need to do is say what you hear on the inside of you and then let, the, let, let creation handle the rest. Okay, that's one. And then two, the receivers, all they think is that, well, I can sift and sort and decide with my spirit whether they're right or wrong. And neither one of those things are an accurate depiction of what prophecy was even in Scripture. Okay, Israel, if Israel was going to judge Jeremiah and Isaiah the way modern-day Christians judge modern-day prophets, my God. Well, okay, well, actually, Jeremiah was sort of judged that way. They threw him in the trash. Okay, Isaiah was sawed in half. Okay, so at the end of the day, they did say, well, I don't, our spirits don't agree with you, so therefore we will persecute you. We will burn you. We will slice you, okay, and we will throw you in the sewer system um, because that's what happens when you're judging God strictly by your own spirit, which has to fight your soul that's been shaped in iniquity and that's that enmity with him. Well, and I, I think that, you know, something that, you're bringing out and, and even by pointing out that there was some kind of standard and, and mm-hmm. protocol, I think that it's fine for us to all play in these positions until there's an actual emergency. You need a real professional because it's fine to play doctor. Well, like each have these people, kids can play doctor. That's fine. Until somebody's really laying on the floor needs, needs actual medical doctor. attention, then you actually need somebody who really is trained to know how to do that. And I think that we've had the luxury of playing in these positions in the body of Christ, especially in the American church. I won't speak necessarily to the global church. I believe there are powerful, powerful people moving these offices in the global church, especially in the global church where they're dealing with real things like global persecution, national persecution against yes. who they are, where you actually need the real officers to be able to stand up and move in real power. I think that as long as we have not had situations where we've had to move in real power, we can play. But I think that there is a time coming where it's going to be, you know, will the real prophets please stand up? Will the real apostles please stand up? And the, the demonstrations of actual power, see, that's where the actual authorization that goes behind these positions, because we can, you can self-promote all day long. But when it comes time for the author to literally give power to your words, that's where I believe that rubber meets the road, and you, and you have an opportunity to really see who has been authorized and who has been literally just seized that title and seized that place, seized, seized that position. 
that's where I think that that rubber will meet the road, and these things will matter, the training, you know what I mean, the, the equipping, and whether or not that particular officer submitted and subjected themselves to the actual process that gave them real power. Mm-hmm. We're at that place where, the, where the, the difference between those who have played and, and, and done almost like role modeling in those positions and those who actually mm-hmm. walk in those positions will be very, mm-hmm. very evident when it comes time to manifest actual power. Uh, these are martial offices. They are literally, you know, prophets are the kingdom's law enforcement and defense. Yeah. And you see it in biblical practice all the way from Abel. Abel enforced the law of the priesthood. Yep. Okay, and paid for it with his life. And um, you come down the line, and Abraham had to do it. And Moses had to face off with another God and then establish a whole institution and then establish prophets underneath him that would enforce the law of Moses, okay, all the way down. So uh, we've always been law enforcement and defense. Apostles uh, have always been, you know, legislation and all of that. So that's what, what literally ignites the mantle. Mm-hmm. you know, and ignite that authority and power. Every time you see powerful demonstrations in Scripture, they were coming against other gods. Yeah. They were coming against other systems, and they were enforcing God's dominion and authority. Mm-hmm. So and, and when we're not in peacetime, we're teachers, we're trainers, we're edifiers mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. But in, in, uh, when God's ready to flex and take dominion, drive back darkness, reset the playing field, it ignites a whole different side of these mantles because it really shows the purpose of why they truly, truly exist. You know, we govern, we do all those kind of things when everything is at rest, um, which is why it's hard in peacetime to see the use of anything, which is why people drink themselves to death. We uh, overindulge, we get, come on. When you're happy, you just get crazy, you know, because it's nothing there and comfortable. But it's when war comes. It's when, Mm -hmm. you know, there's imbalance that you start realizing the value of things. Right. And that always shows up in tragedy, which is why God inherently built trials and tribulations into this process, especially after sin was going to take its foothold. But I think that kind of puts together, don't you think, some yeah. things about why. This is why our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, these kind of dialogues and this kind of information and, and exchange is what we do for our students. And we do it on a multiplicity of levels. Not everything is just about office. Some things are about the gifts being genuinely needed in the body of Christ. It's, I, I feel like, you know, that this does not diminish gifts, as, gifts at all. It doesn't devalue them. The, the, uh, the reality is it's keeping everybody in their place mm-hmm. so that the person who's not who's the play doctor doesn't actually step in the way of the real doctor when we need to get something major done. Here's, the, here's something to give a, a lot of peace, and I have to give a lot of peace to people on the phone when they're, when they're taking our prophetic assessment and, and yeah. things of that nature, is letting them know we're talking about levels of complexity. The complexity of the responsibilities you can handle. The reason why some of you did not take promotions at your job and want to be the boss and want to be the owner is because you didn't want the level of complexity of responsibility. Right. You wanted to do things that show the best side of you, that show your strength. So high-functioning gifts, my God, we need them in the body of Christ, and a lot of you have those abilities, and they show the strength of who you are. We put you in the office, and we start putting high-level and complex things on you. It doesn't showcase the best of who you are. And then next thing you know, you're discouraged, you're, you're depleted, you're frustrated, you think the whole, you know, questioning God, yeah, questioning whatever, and we don't want to put people in a place that's going to not cause them to function optimally at their best. We want you to be your best in Christ. 
not just out there operating in Christ. Yeah. So that's the objective behind why we want to why we want to find the, the the different dimensions and levels that people walk in and what they do, so they can serve God optimally. And that's what you find out when you take the prophetic assessment. Not that okay, God hates you, you're not going to be a prophet, but you find out that this is the dimension that you function best in. Yeah. And these these uh, array of issues or spheres or 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 domains, rather, are where your mantle gets its efficacy or potency and power. That when we put you somewhere else, you're not going to feel as comfortable as you do in this part. Mm -hmm. So when you take your PAQ, you do get a chance to find that out. Your mantle, your sphere, your, um, help me, your emphasis, what you, your high feature, your attributes, your highest feature functionality, all of those things. It's like a profile. Academic. Your academics, your comprehension, how you receive prophecy, how you give prophecy, where you should be used the best in and out of the church. So it is a full-scale profile of who you are as a prophet. And what you shouldn't do. And what you shouldn't do, even the least effective areas. Because who wants to waste time trying trying to prove their weaknesses when you can be prospering from your strength? And that's what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to kick people in or out of offices, but for some people, the gift, uh, their gifting operation works better without that pressure of regulation on them. They do better in that thing. Send me in. Let me do an assignment. Let me achieve a goal and bring results back to you. I don't want to be all off in some of this stuff. In fact, some of you guys listening today might feel like, this is too much. I don't even know why they're talking about all of this. I just want to serve God. I just want to prophesy. I just want to help you. Right. You're a high-functioning gift. And if we push you out of that into what we're dealing with, okay, in terms of what God's trying to do to protect his kingdom through these offices, it's too much for you. You're like, I'm not interested in that. You go to sleep. You tell your neighbor. Or you do worse. You're going to go out there and bash us and say, oh, my God, these prophets walking around all of these extra titles with all of these extra letters and all of this extra stuff. Ah, All we need to do is pray and hear from God. Yes, that's what gifts think, and that's what gifts do, and that's what they bring to the body of Christ. They're not worried about that. There's a reason why, isn't it true? There's a reason why some of us don't live in D.C. We don't care. I mean, all we want to know from our government is feed me, help me, keep me employed, keep my family safe. That is it. Because why? We don't want to be in offices. We don't want to be in a senatorial office. We don't want to be in the office of the House of Representatives because we don't care. And you know what I mean? So sometimes you just have to kind of, you know, take take your inferiority cloak off and think in reality, uh, how much do I really care about this kind of stuff, though? Like, it's not the first thing I think about in the morning. I think about helping somebody, giving a prophetic word, laying hands. Okay? I don't think about the greater issues that are facing the body of Christ. And there's nothing wrong with that. That makes you a kingdom citizen and that makes you a valuable asset to God's ministry staff, to his people. Yeah. But how about this? So many people don't think there are different levels of expertise or authority in this office. Oh, well, then there's that. And Go so, read number 12. We don't have time. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so truly, because we brought it down to personal prophecy, it becomes who's the best public speaker who actually has the higher ranking authority. Or who feels a burden for it. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, well, why do you you need all these titles? Why do you need, is a doctor a doctor a doctor? No. We want, I'm a doctor. What kind of doctor are you? Because I'm having an issue with my brain. Are Are you a neurologist? Oh, well, no, I'm a cardiologist. 
Okay. I'm a chiropractor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Only, only oh. in the ministerial yeah. setting, the titles become a place of arrogance and, and ego. pride and yeah. ego. Only in a ministerial setting because everything, everywhere else, titles are identifications. Identification. Definition, safety, you know, all those different things. We, mm-hmm. you know, we have to keep our, we have to put our hypocrisy in check. You know, we, we have to do that when it comes to that. Uh, when it comes to dealing with God, come on, we got to put our hypocrisy in check and think about the fact that we do not have those kind of issues in the professional realm because it's a realm that we respect and it's a realm that we understand that not everything is about someone thinking that they're better than you. Going back to even what Chief Rapatala said at the beginning, you know, when you go to your corporation, you don't have a problem with titles. In fact, you don't have a problem with titles so much that you're trying to get a title. You're trying to do whatever you can. You know what I mean? You, you want to promote that title. You ain't trying to be the secretary forever. You're looking for that bigger title. No, I'm the executive. You know, you're looking for those titles. And in every other sphere, you would um, you would uh, not, uh, not appreciate somebody tying your ambition mm. to ego and arrogance. And you would also not appreciate somebody belittling your achievements to tell you I'm not going to I'm not going to speak to you in that way or I'm not going to consider your hard work because that's just arrogant. Let's just not go by titles here. But in the church, we would rather belittle that and and mm-hmm. and treat it as though it is a free for all and that God has no structure or hierarchy, which is not biblical, by the way. But that's a whole other conversation. How far we've gotten from the scriptures. But I just thought that we'd add that because that's important. Absolutely, and it's true that we 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 uh, fuss in the body of Christ mm-hmm. about there not being a spirit of excellence in the church, but that's why Absolutely. because we yes. diminish what we do in the church, yes. and we make we we sell we talk out of both sides of our mouths, and we sell two oh, different God. messages where it's kind of like we need to be excellent, we need to be all of that because of Jesus Christ, and then on the other side, it's like it doesn't take all that. You shouldn't yes. have to work that hard. We right. shouldn't have to put that level of effort in, but you're doing that to make the world excellent every day, every and day. you know they won't put up. Satan won't put up with less than you mm-hmm. already know. He is a hard taskmaster, and you know it because you out there working for him every day, every day, okay, in his kingdom and plowing in that ground, and he won't let you get away with it at all. And so we come into the body of Christ for that. Not necessarily, here's the deal, we don't want to pick up the cruelty of his system, yeah. but the standards work because they came from God, and he kind of hijacked them. And he hijacked them for his own purposes and his own treasury. Like, so leaving all of the cruelty behind. The standard of ex- there's only one way to produce excellence. Yeah. And so we have to think about whether we want to be that in his name sometimes. And it's challenging for all of us. People think it's easy for Dr. Price to do this. Uh-uh. Chief like Paul, I daily beat my flesh into subjection to finish that dictionary. I watched her do it. She was in pain. She had shingles. She was uh, a strange viral thing that she was fighting. We ain't going to talk about all the other opposition against people saying she shouldn't even do it. And she beat that flesh into subjection to produce that work. There's not one book that you read of hers that doesn't come with a testimony of faithfulness and diligence because she refused to give God less than she would have given AT&T. It's just a covenant she made with him. Mm-hmm. I will not treat you less than I would have treated Satan on his dime and on his payroll and on his ticket. I won't do it. People think that she does it because she wants to be arrogant, controlling, manipulative, seductive, all of that kind of stuff and try to tell you who you are. She has one commitment, hmm. not to you. She's not committed to you, actually. Her one commitment is to the body of, of it's not to the body of Christ, but it's to God. Mm-hmm. And that was to give him the, the level of excellence his name was worthy of. Yeah. She said, there's no way that I'm going to serve you worse than I serve sin. I cannot do it. It's a consciousness thing for her. Mm-hmm. She was forgiven much. She wants to love much. And she told us, she said, the reason why I have standards in my church is because I firmly believe that God deserves the best, period. I'm not going to give him less than we're going to give our jobs every week, which is why we can never have dress down Sunday. You dress down for the devil. 
You don't dress down for God. Well, we could not we could not come late. You be late for the devil. Don't be late for God. You treat him that way. Exactly. The devil don't play you. You go ahead. You treat him that way. She said, you give your best to God. You save your rest for the world. You save the rest of yourself for them. They get the leftovers. God gets the first fruits of everything. Your attitude, your perspective, your love, your passion, your fight, your desire, your work. He gets the first fruits of everything, not just your dollars and cents. Yeah. Everything that you are, he should get the first, and you let Satan have the leftovers. You let him have the leftovers. And so that's how she taught us. And so when people come to us, they're like, oh, my God, like, y'all serious? Because we just feel like God deserves Should we be a joke, though? Should we be a joke? Is that what I mean, we're well, I think, I think, what we're saying? What I we're think saying we should things. be a joke if you don't think God is really real. I, you know what I mean? If he's not really yeah. real to you, then maybe you should joke it off because maybe the joke is being played on you. But I think that we should think about that you know, when it comes down to it, right? Then we do that. Well, what are we learning with taking it on with Paul Price? Television show. Saints talk about church cheese. Absolutely. We don't want cheesy. Too many people out there cheesy. Yet, excellence costs money. Amen. And there's just no way around it. Excellence costs money. To be in this university location costs money. To be where we are with the church costs money. So people are very interesting because the show, which by television standards is a very small budget. Mm-hmm. Like we had to hope we weren't going to be laughed at when we said how much we wanted to spend for episodes. Mm-hmm. Because which was favor all by itself. All by itself. And now we're kicking over into the fundraising piece of it and, and the ongoing things that we're going to do in different avenues to generate economy for the show. But the saints will often say, well, God will provide. How? <laughs> let's let's pull it out of the God realm. It's the invisible God's responsibility. We are here on earth. Our producer takes money on earth. <laughs> Cashier's check on earth. We can't sling a God will do it. Okay, we'll just deal with it in heaven. I mean, there are things that we have to do and that we have got to pull ourselves out of that the Lord will, anything we don't want to deal with, well, God will just provide. Mm-hmm. God, through who? We have so many people who vow that they would get behind it. If I could find one person who's doing right for God, I'm going to give them all I have. <laughs> really? But in Scripture, that actually is what happened. I mean, those people, they followed those apostles, they followed those ministers, and they came okay. alongside to see to it that that vision happened. And they did it with conviction. They did it with pride. They did it with honor. And come on, let's be real. These are people, these are people who funded Jesus's ministry and he wasn't that popular. They, you know, he wasn't always the happy guy. When he was feeding people, they loved him. When he was whipping them, they were like, what? And it was all Jesus. And it was all him. I think this is such a timely time to even be dealing with this. In uh, John chapter eight, when he says, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desire of your father you want to do. And we so make demonic manifestation as frothing and all kinds of weird things Mm -hmm. that we don't even equate people not being able to hear God's voice and do his will with demonic oppression. Absolutely right. We we put it in the physical. Somebody's depressed. Somebody's sick. Somebody's addicted. Those are all just demonic things. But for this, he said, "But you do the desires of your father, yo, the devil, because you're not able to listen 
to God's word. And that just has so shifted even how I pray yes. for myself. And, you know, you're thinking about why you can't obey the will of God. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody really wants to say they have a devil <laughs> or three or four or five, but that is uh, in the way. So just dealing with some of those things in producing excellence, I say all that to say that has to be dealt with to be removed so we can become these people of excellence, become these prophets of excellence, to even see the things that you were talking about. But that doesn't even make sense. And the enemy works overtime to keep us in a nonsensical frame of mind. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make natural sense. It doesn't make dumb sense. It doesn't make stupid sense. That doesn't make sense. Like you said, anywhere but in the church where we do things. We'll know if the if the, the job says we want to buy a new piece of property, we go into fundraising mode, we go into loan mode, we go into grant mode, we do all those things that we need to do. If a minister says they need to do something, well, mm-hmm. God will provide. <laughs> Good luck, Pastor. You're not going to get my money. That church isn't going to get my money. Like that's the worst thing that could ever happen. Well, it depends on, I guess, the church you're in, but still. You know, the point is, that all those things will go towards funding the things of this world and not the body of Christ. I think that hard-heartedness, that um, carnality, which is really just flesh, wanting to please the flesh, not wanting to do what it takes to make the kingdom of God happen to the extent in which we promise so many people make vows in their hearts, bless God, study that one in Scripture, Mm. and don't honor and fulfill them. Mm. But um, I am so thrilled to, and I know we all are, to be in this, a part of this, yeah. you know, this at the ground level, and we're about yeah. to take off. So uh, to see, to be a part of a shift in the world, to say we were there. How many people could right. say, or with Oral, I was there with Oral when, you know, people would say, I was there with Hagen when, and to say, no, I was there with Paula Price when. We were there with Dr. Price when. And to see it take off and to do uh, exactly what God has called it to do for such a time as this. Yeah. And if you're not clear about the times and the seasons of God, you will be very confused as a Christian. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's true. So many Christians are confused. How come you can have this? And it's, well, sometimes it's just not the season. It's just not the hour. Dr. Price has been John the Baptist in the wilderness for decades. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Prepare you the way of the Lord. How many people looked at that man saying, what is he saying? Mm-hmm. People have been prophesying the Messiah since the beginning of time. I mean, they have to have, <laughs> you know, John the Baptist ministry had to come against some of the same kind of opposition of doubt and discreditation. And what are you doing? What is he doing out there in the wilderness? Come on in, brother. Look, I got a corporate office for you. Just take, take that off. Just put on a suit. Take that off. Put on a suit. Come on in. Do the job. We're going to smooth over this doctrine. We're going to put some new logos on you and and change this out so we can make you more marketable and so people don't have to go out to get you, but you can come in. I mean, come on. We went take John the Baptist and totally wreck his ministry. And I think about Dr. Price and how many people really tried to do that. Let's, Let's change. Okay, let's soften this. Let's not do that. Why? Because the time for that word was not yet. It was in the heyday of happy time gospel, heyday of this, heyday of that, all these large numbers. And as each kingdom began to crumble, all of a sudden it was like, we need a real word gospel. We need somebody who's telling the truth. We need somebody who's not pulling their punches. We need somebody who's going to defend Christ. We need, now we need somebody to teach us what it is to be saved. <laughs> well, because we did, well, because we got so off script, you know, um, and that's one thing that prophets do is that we are literally the authenticators and the people who watch the script. You know, people don't recognize that 
you know, William Shakespeare has a whole organization that just is there to preserve the integrity yeah. of what he wrote. Now, he didn't write nothing that we folks well, got. We ain't getting to save off of this eternal life. It's going to go to the grave with him. It'll blow up with the rest of the world. However, they still have people who are literally right. monitoring it and making sure that people don't do crazy things with it, manipulate, change, whatever. And it's the same thing with prophets and apostles. They do that with God's word. There, our job is to make sure that we stay on script, that we don't get off book, and that we stay in the continuum of the message as it was given to us, which is why Dr. Price, you know, uh, uh, preaches and promotes Scripture organic for that reason, taking you back to the organic root of what it is that came to the planet, yeah. not what was culturized, pasteurized, modified, and changed to make it more palatable and more acceptable for people who don't want to believe God anyway. Because if you were going to believe right. God, then you would believe you, God. Then you would just believe You know, but if, if, if you, and like, like Jesus said, I'm not going to give you a sign because if it was in your heart to believe me, right. you would believe me. I could do 10,000 signs and you still won't believe me because you believe you. And so we have to kind of begin to deal with the reality that all of this, you know, contortions that we have gone through to please people's issues with Christianity and issues ultimately with God won't literally make them a better believer. Mm. Okay? And a lot of times it fuels and empowers their criticisms, their complaints, and even their strategy to undermine the product that God's going for. Because we've lost sight as um, ministers today, the product that God is going for. It's Mm -hmm. been about us and filling our churches and filling stadiums and and getting paid and having money and all of this, that we forgot the product that God was going for. So the gospel is not to produce friendships and relationships and all of these things with the world. It was designed to produce a certain product, okay, a person for God. So we can never forget what, and that's what prophets do. They're going to always come. That's why nobody likes to see us coming. Because we like the police, okay? Don't no, nobody want to see a prophet coming because we law enforcement. Uh-oh. And honey, you ain't come. You and when a three of us show up together somewhere, uh-oh. They really going to say, oh, here you go, police. Here the you prophets go. Here are you here. Go. Here the are prophets are here. You know, and so that's why sometimes the prophets can get that adverse response like they have in Scripture. Nobody wants to see him coming. Cain never wanted to be told what to do. We already know nobody wanted to hear what Noah had to say. Come on in here. So it's kind of like these, this, is a, this is a typical response to when God has to regulate and police things in this planet. So we have to be very careful as we move forward as ministers because we have a lot of fruit, a lot of weeds that we've grown up in the kingdom because of our not staying faithful and true to the product, the integrity of the product of what Jesus wants upon his return. He said a church without spot or wrinkle. My God today. And not only is he not going to get a church unspotted, but we, we, we writing and coloring it ourselves every day. So it's so, so much for him getting to church without a spot because we covering ourselves up on a regular basis. So because, again, no integrity to his product, Selah. but Hold to on. us wanting to make the world feel more comfortable in our presence. The more they feel comfortable in our presence, the more it goes back to what she just read here. Okay, when he talked about because there is, hold on, let me say this one here. You are your father, the devil. No, why do you not understand my speech? Okay, and the reason why we're, people are not understanding our speech and more and more people in the church do not understand the Bible or the speech of the Bible is because we are literally promoting someone else's desires, the desires of another deity. And that's just something that's challenging. I know it. 
Um, it was challenging for me as well to realize that, I, what, I don't want to do the work of the devil. I'm just saying we don't have to be this, and we don't have to do it like that, and we can be more like this, and we can be more like the that. The but, again, I'm fulfilling <laughs> someone else's desire because I'm not committed to God's product. I'm committed to popularity. I'm mm-hmm. committed to uh, being accepted. I'm committed to love, peace, and hair grease. So you have to go back and kind of rethink about sometimes as believers, what are we really committed to? Is it our God or is it something else? Because that becomes very, very challenging. And, you know, then we want to jump into the whole, you know, uh, feud and you can't judge and that. Listen, you know, I, it, it doesn't matter who judges you. And you recognize that the consequences of sin would play out and were playing out even before there was a Ten Commandments. If nobody knew about hell, people were still going. No one preached it. No one maybe have told anybody about it until Moses, you know, I mean, not Moses, Noah, in that ark situation. Until then, nobody was preaching about that, that. situation. <laughs> okay. It was a situation. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's like no one was talking about it, and people still went to hell before Noah's flood. It didn't matter if someone ever mentioned hell. If we stop preaching about it today, I want y'all to know that it won't disappear because no one says it. It just means that you will be surprised when you get there. Okay, so let's talk about, well, is it true? So let's talk about it. Let's kind of talk about some things that we have Coming up, we know the June date. Oh, I thought you meant hell. I was like, that no, 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 no. I mean, that goes without saying. Okay. Um, but let's talk about as we close out today, because we know we wanted to give you guys some updates. First, I want to encourage you to take the prophetic assessment questionnaire if you are a true prophet. And I do believe that there are people out there that want to get this right. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to fail God today. No one does that. Hey, you know what? I'm just going to manipulate all of the, the yeah. kingdom and, 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 and cause people to do whatever. No one deliberately says that. But we can lose our way sometimes if we don't have anchors and we don't have that. How can you hear without a preacher? So, if you are a prophet today and you want to know more about who you are, you want to know what God has called you specifically to do, you want to understand what your mantle is to produce for him, what kind of fruit that he's expecting from you, and why he initiated this arrangement with you to begin with in terms of how it would benefit him and not necessarily how you're using it. But if you want to know that and you want to understand those things, I want to encourage you to go ahead and take the Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire. You can go visit our site, www.ppmglobal.com resources.com that's www.ppmglobalresources.com and as she mentioned earlier uh, we have that pairing that if you take the assessment we can also help you get a nice registration for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute yes yeah absolutely it's, it's um, what it is is that if you actually register for our June event you can receive a special link for a discounted PAQ so that's the profits assessment so if you plan on joining us in June you can get your assessment at a special price um, and that is the major deal that we're running on that PAQ right now so the MAQ this bifold assessment has different packages the PAQ the profits assessment is just one assessment and so you can get a very special deal on that with your prophetic institute registration so if you've been listening today and you're saying I got to get to Tulsa I need to be a part of this conversation not only do we want you here but we also want to help you to be able to identify who you are as you're on your way here by linking you up with the profits assessment and helping you to be able to get that assessment at a discounted rate. And what's our, oh, go ahead. I have a question. question. So somebody purchases the package deal, they take the PAQ, and then they decide they're not coming to the event or they can't come. They're going to get their event registration back 
even though they've already paid for the discount for the assessment? <laughs> well, of course not. That's not not quite how it works. <laughs> of course not. That's not quite how it works. But I can I can assure you once you take that leap and make a decision to join us, that's something that you will not regret. You I just want, want to clarify that. Don't buy the assessment at the discount for the registration and then say you're not coming and expect to get your registration money back. You've right. already taken right. the assessment exactly. at the discount price. Yes. You want to you wanna do it because you need both in your life because you're looking. Here's the deal. We're not counting you out. We're not expunging you from anything yeah. that God wants you to do. But here's what we're offering. And what Dr. Price offers through this assessment is the opportunity to go to the next level. It doesn't it devalue or do away with anything you've done up until this point. Okay, because a lot of you have been plowing and serving and pressing and pushing in various churches, ministries, laboring under some of the intense uh, uh, tribulations, warfare, misunderstanding of this position for a long time. We're offering you support. We're offering you further development, and we're offering you an opportunity to just go to the next level. You don't have; it doesn't have to devalue or diminish who you are or what you've done in God's kingdom. But it's an opportunity to go to the next level. So I encourage you to get the package. Register for the event. Come out here in June and learn. Uh, literally, we're going to be talking about God's future, okay? What is the future of this kingdom? One of the hardest things that we've had in 2018 was coming up with a decent word, and I say the collective because Lord knows the, God's been flooding us, but with words for 2018 and figuring out, get, trying to get a pulse of what God is actually doing in 2018. What is this, really? Surprise. So, you know, we're, we're, we, of course, a lot of people resorted back to their, you know, uh, a standard default word, double blessing and this, that, and new beginnings. You know, we just kind of ran through our default, you know, inventory of things, you know, that God could be doing. But 2018 really is a year of decision. Mm-hmm. The reason why there's not a whole lot of, you know, spiritual rah around this year because God's leaving a lot of the ball in our court to make a decision of where we want to be with him, where we want to go with him in his future. Do you see yourself a part of his future and where he's taking his people? And let me tell you something that's unique about that, because it's no different than what Jesus did when he first came to the planet to begin to recruit people for salvation. He didn't give them any information before they made a decision. Follow me. And he literally uh, uh, relied on their ability to have been called by the Spirit of God. And so we're in that same season where God is saying it's time to make a decision if you're on the Lord's side. He's, He's silently and subtly behind the scenes urging those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches to come and be a part of what his future is. And it's when you make the decision to follow him that you begin to find out what his plans are. Something that Dr. Price said to me that was very uh, 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 challenging in the sense that it, it opened my mind to another understanding and aspect of God. And she says, but, you know, the book of Revelations tells you what, how God's reacting to the demonic uh, flood that's going to hit the planet once, you know, he is finished his latter-day gathering, okay? It, it, she's like, of course, we see all the apocalyptic events. She said, but it doesn't necessarily reveal what his plans are. Right. And so God keeps a lot of his plans secret, and he keeps those secrets with his true servants, the prophets, okay? And, of course, his, his cabinet, his thronal cabinet, the apostles. But he keeps a lot of it under wraps. 
And so in this season, God is challenging a lot of us to make decisions of whether we're going to do the call or we're not going to do the call. We're going to answer the ministry, make the sacrifice, not make the sacrifice, get in the stream of what he wants, not be a part of what he wants. And it's very subtle because there is no overture of pressure. Although there's a subtle sense of urgency, there is no pressure coming with this. He's not necessarily doing that typical scare tactics and all of that because he wants it to be your decision and your choice to be a part of what he's doing. And it is decision-making time. For many of us, the time is running out and vacillating between two opinions, vacillating between back and forth of what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. We're in God. We're not in God. We're going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're on his team. We're off his team. I'm Mm -hmm. mad at you. I love you. You know, we're in that place now where you have to literally decide where you're going to be with God. And whatever side, whatever thing, you know, whichever one you choose, okay, and side that you find yourself on, that's going to be the future pathway. Because God literally is going to begin to close that ark door. And, and he has a strange statement in the book of Revelations when he's done. He's like, look, let the pure stay pure, yeah. and then let the defiled stay defiled. Okay, everybody has chosen their side, and everybody stay on their side. And so we're at that place of decision in God. And you have to know that he's literally pushing and propelling people in that direction. Hey, tell me what's it going to be. Tell me what you're going to do. Well, God, I mean, I don't, no. tell me what you want. Tell me where you're at mm-hmm. because I'm going to roll with that. He's not going to be contending and striving with us like that. He doesn't have time because of some things that are coming down the pike in the future and some of his initiatives that he wants to launch uh, starting in 2019, well, preparing in 2019 and kicking off in 2020. So we have a lot of things to get ready for, but the first thing is for you to make some serious decisions if you're going to be really serious with God and serious about what he's called you to do and if you're going to literally commit yourself Mm -hmm. to the execution of that, to the completion of that. So that's very, very important. That's why this year seems so weirdly, oddly uh, silent and not as spiritually active as we remember in terms of God just relaying those things. doesn't mean he ain't talking because, you know, he's always streaming things from his world. But the reality is it's time to make a decision. Let all those who are going to be on the Lord's side, all right, if you're going to serve God, if you're going to serve man, he's not interested in the, in the dualities anymore. He wants you to do what he's asked you to do and not necessarily what you want to give. There's a difference. He told me that. He said we're, the reason why we're having challenges right now is because you want to give me what you want and not what I ask for. What? That was very hard time, <laughs> I remember. So, and it was very necessary and helpful because it, it helped me get direction and clarity. God's only going to give you a harvest and a fruit on what he asked for and not necessarily just what you want to give. And so that's important for you to know that he really is summoning his people. It's a real massive clarion call. He's gathering us. Like I've been saying to a lot of people, the street lights on. It's time for us to come home. We got to get back to the throne. We got to get back to the original thing. We got to get back into that, that whole infrastructure of being who we need to be in God, the priest. We got to get back into that because that's where we are right now. And God in that gathering place, is going to be doing a lot to prepare his future. So I want to invite you to the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute mm-hmm. where we're going to be doing that. Well, maybe do they have questions about? Okay, do you have questions um, about? Either of those things, the assessment or even the institute and what we're going to be tackling. So they could be well, let me say this while you're preparing your questions. Mm-hmm. Great. 
Yeah, um, so for the, the Total Perfect form, buy one, get one is still active right now. So buy one, get one is the, the total ticket for two people is 140 So it's $70 per person for buy one, get one right now. And then early bird right now is $99. So that runs through May 1st. Buy one, get one will be over at the end of the month. So you want to take advantage of that. March 31st is the last day for buy one, get one. We've already had people coming on and getting our buy one, get one tickets. So you don't want to let that expire on you. You can grab a friend, no, bring a friend together. You're going to get to both go for $70 a person. <laughs> I mean, it's a feel, it's the best deal that we offer for our events. Buy one, get one. A teen ticket is only 65 So if you have a teen, a prophetic teen you want to bring with you, their ticket's only 65 We also have family. You can check out the family of four rates online as well. Our, for our near members, those who are part of our collaborative, you have a special rate. And our university students, Price you. Price you. If you attend Price University, you also have a special uh, price as well. And those special prices for our near members, our Price You students, our congregation, our Come Home members, um, those those rates don't expire. We also have group rates. So if you are listening today, you lead your own ministry. You have a prophetic school. You have an apostolic team. You want to bring them out. The group rates are 10 or more. So if you have 10 or more, you'll go for $75 a person. If you have five or more, then you go for, uh, I believe it's 89 per person, but check that out online. But five or more, there's a discount. And, and so uh, five or more and then 10 or more. So you can receive a discount if you're coming in a group as well. And that's important to know because we encourage people all the time to bring their prophetic companies, to bring their leadership. If you know that God is shifting your house, and, and shifting the direction of your ministry. This yeah. is the time to do that, to bring people in. We like to help people establish prophetic companies. We like to also certify them at this event as well. So if you know that God is shifting you from a, 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 a traditional standard evangelical paradigm yeah. and you're ready to shift and take on an apostolic prophetic one, mm -hmm. this is a great event to bring mm -hmm. your leadership, to get them uh, uh, immersed in this and to begin to understand the direction of where God is going in the future. So definitely want to encourage you guys to bring your group. Let us do the heavy lifting. Yes, and we love to do the heavy lifting at these events and making sure that they lead powered up and charged and so that you know that you can have a place to anchor and support that transition and that change. It's never our intention to just kind of leave people out there twisting in the wind to make that to make that migration from the old into the new. Because this is an apostolic era, whether we like it or not, we can see it by just everything that's happening in the news and all of the things that are conflict that are going on in the world, and also a lot of the changes, a lot of the paradigm shifts of new things that are coming in. Mm -hmm. So we definitely encourage that. Are there any questions about either one of those things that you see? Thank you, Rachel, today. She's producing. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. We're scrolling, y'all. We're looking for your questions. We're making sure. <laughs> we want to get... Oh, How question. developed and trained do you need to be to get the most of PAQ? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Okay, so it does have three levels. It's true. That's a quality question, by the way. That's very, very good. 
Um, you don't need to be trained or anything. You need to come as you are, okay? It, it's an assessment. That's the only thing. <laughs> okay? That's the assessment of where you are right now, okay? So it just is assessment. It's not a test. You can't, you can't pass or fail our assessment. I know people tell me, yeah, I took that test. We weren't testing you. Uh, we were assessing where you are. So you don't need to, you know, have studied something, learned something, known something, or anything like that. Come as you are. Now, when you're answering those questions, you will feel like that, but the questions are designed, okay, to assess where you are in the entire spectrum of the prophetic, from the gift, prophecy, the prophetic in general, all the way to the position, the mantle, and the office. So it does the whole thing, okay? Now, it does have three levels, okay? And depending on uh, how you answer the question and how it defines where you are will determine which level you'll come up. We have a letter, level that helps us to separate inter prophetic intercessors from prophets. So we know the difference if somebody's actually a budding prophet or a highly gifted prophetic intercessor. So that's our beginner level. We have that level. We have an intermediate level that is above that for people who are transitioning out of those entry-level things, okay, where you're past, you know, the prophetic awakening experience, you know your God is beginning to use you more. He's beginning to enlarge your, uh, your, your uh, reach, your responsibilities, and all of that. So the intermediate level will tell you um, a little bit more than the beginner. That's when you'll get a chance to start finding out how you receive prophecy, how you give prophecy, what your mantle uh, composition is, uh, the composition of your prophetic makeup. You'll start finding out that information in the uh, intermediate. On the advanced level, it gives you more of an exhaustive profile. An advanced level, is, is, is you'll find a lot of those who are transitioning from gifts to office that are at the entry levels of, 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 of stepping into that office dimension, you'll probably hit that advanced level. And when you do, you get a massive exhaustive profile of who you are as a prophet and how to carry out your duties and responsibilities as such. Would you say that we mm -hmm. did that? So those are the three levels, okay, when you're taking that PAQ. It, most people who take it are blown away because your PAQ information can take you for a strong season. Uh, many <laughs> people, I do too, many people actually use it to help orchestrate their ministries, what direction their, their prophetic ministry is going to go. Um, in fact, I had a, a client just recently tell me, I, I went back and reviewed my PAQ results, I went into prayer, and from because I knew uh, who I was, God re was able to reveal to me the whole framework for the type of prophetic ministry they needed to establish. So it does help people establish the type of ministry they're going to have, the direction they need to go in, and also the training that they need to receive. Because we want your training to be tailored towards who you are. There are 12 types of prophets, okay? So there's a lot of them. And you can come up, at, you know, as any one of those. You can be teaching, an accessory, you know, uh, a, a business and entrepreneurial, organizational, ecclesiastical, and on it goes. So just knowing the type of prophet you are can help you hone in on the direction you need to go and come out of that place of confusion of not knowing where you fit or where you belong. Because a lot of times you, you'll try to compare yourself to, let's say, a church prophet and how they function and, and how they express themselves and you're called to be an entrepreneurial one, and your whole expression is different. Mm -hmm. So you find yourself thinking, what's wrong with me, particularly my teaching prophets, because they don't manifest all, you know, spiritually all over the place. They're not your hyper-spiritualists. And so a lot of people will think they're not prophets at all mm -hmm. because they misunderstand the expression, the function, and the operation and the intent of that type of prophet. Dr. Price said once uh, a long time ago that 
not knowing uh, your sphere is just as bad as not knowing your purpose. Or knowing your purpose without your sphere is just as damaging. Because you know your purpose and not the best sphere for you to function in, it can be frustrating. So you know your purpose. I know I'm called to be a prophet. God told me that. You go to the church, they keep kicking you out. You go back, they keep kicking you out. It don't work. And and you're frustrated. You're mad at God. You're mad at everybody. You want to curse the church. You want to curse the pastor. All of that when really that's not the best use of your stream. It's not going to be as responsive to who God made you to be prophetically. And that is what the PAQ really does give you who you are prophetically, and it narrows your focus. Uh, in fact, when we ordain prophets, we ask them the toughest question in all of the world and all of their lives. And that question is, what are we ordaining you to do? Um, Dr. Price is the only person that doesn't want to give you a piece of paper with a title on it that does nothing but stay on the wall. So when she ordains prophets, she ordains them to do something. Why? Because inside that PAQ is a job description of what you should be able to do if that is indeed your sphere and your prophet type. So uh, we do this because when we ask people what it is that they're trying to achieve in ministry, most, most people will say everything. I just want to bless people. I just want to do this. I just want to do that. And it's very broad and vague. And then we ask them an even tougher question, who do you want to reach? Who's your target? What? Everybody. Well, here's the challenge with that. If everybody is your target, then everybody's going to be able to measure your success or failure. And I'm not sure if that is is the best thing when it comes to understanding or measuring the fruit of who you are and who God called you to do. Because to one person that you're not called to reach, you may look like you're failing, but to the person that you are called to reach, you uh, definitely are effective in bringing fruit into God's kingdom. So the PAQ will help you narrow down that focus. So I hope that answered the question. Yes? There was one other question. Is there any benefit if you're not a prophet? If you're not a prophet, it will probably peg you more as an intercessor and will let you know definitively that you're not. Okay? So that would be it. So we would recommend at that point you take our ministry assessment questionnaire because that will give you the opportunity to figure out where you land in all of the five. If you're a pastor, teacher, evangelist, you know, whatever, apostle, prophet, on down business person, it will let you know if you're belonging to the business arena. So we recommend the ministry assessment questionnaire at that point uh, if you don't feel like you are a prophet right now or you're just simply not sure what you are. Okay, so that's a broader assessment. I mean, it will identify for you if you have prophetic gifts and abilities. I mean, the PAQ is incredible in that way, Um, but it's definitely our recommendation. If you are unsure, start at the beginning. The beginning is that minister's assessment because that will actually help you. Mm -hmm. And you may be surprised. You may, because I I find that a lot of people (laughs) who think that they are prophets, take the PAQ and it tells them differently. And then many people who have said, no, I'm not a prophet, I'm not a prophet, I'm not a prophet, will take the MAQ mm-hmm. and it will identify them as prophet. So I, I think that if, you are, if you're unsure, take that first step, take that minister's assessment. Um, even though the, the PAQ can give you an inkling if you have prophetic gifts and abilities, if you have not really been pegged as a prophet or you haven't been operating as a prophet, then that MAQ is better for you because it will actually cast a vision for you and help you to understand where your fivefold sphere is. And it may, in fact, say prophet. And if it does at that point, then you know that that PAQ is going to benefit you. Because the PAQ only produces prophetic information. Absolutely. 
So even if you come up on the intermediate level, because maybe you've read a lot of books, you're in prophetic ministry, you have been swimming in prophetic waters for a long time, that is not the guarantee alone if you have not taken that MAQ to, or yes, that MAQ to actually determine if the prophet's office is your primary manifestation or is it your secondary. You know, there's a difference between being a prophetic teacher and a teaching prophet. Yes. And so you want to know, let's just say, the difference between the two. Or if your arena, the area in which you will flourish best, is the prophetic, and you may not be a prophet. That's what the MAQ is going to break down those finite things of even where that, if it shows up at all, is how you really think and how God has constructed you to be in general. And I I think that's a great, great um, distinction for you, and I hope that answers those questions about that. And so uh, we want to just say thank you as the prophets here, okay, from PPM Global Resources, from Dr. Paula Price Ministries, and uh, New Era Apostleship. We want to thank you for joining us. Everybody else. Yes, we have enough alphabets, okay? ParlaPrice.com. You didn't love me. Yes, we call it Now you see why we call it the Paula Price Show. Take no Okay, now you see why it's the universe. But we want to thank you for taking the opportunity to to join us today. Thank you for sticking this out with us and and receiving us as we are a stand-in guest for Dr. Paula Price. She will be back next week ready to take on the next thing with you all. So we're excited to have you and, and, and having been a part of this conversation. We hope it was edifying and beneficial. We want you to go check out that prophetic aptitude questionnaire. We want you to check out check us out again, okay, in June. Okay, the dates are June 20th through the 23rd. 20th through the 23rd in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Come out and see us. Come and be a part of this thing. Immerse yourself in who you are. Invest in yourself. If you feel like this is what God called you to do, invest in being the best. Because we certainly believe that you can be. We know that God has called us to be. And we just want to say thank you again for joining us. And have a blessed rest of your afternoon. (laughs) And we'll see you next week. Bye. We'll see you Friday. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.